Okay, and here it is. The much-anticipated, the biggest movie commentary event of the year. The Nokomoto Motorcycle Movie Commentary for The Road Warrior. Otherwise known as Mad Max 2. Okay, here's how this is going to happen. In just a moment, I'm going to say the word pause. Okay? It's very simple. When I say pause, you're going to pause the movie. You're going to, sorry, when I say pause, you're going to pause the podcast. You're going to start up the movie. When the Warner Brothers logo fades to black, you're going to press play again. Are you ready? Pause. Go. Okay, and we are watching Mad Max to the Road Warrior. We have me, MotoGP here. As always, our sidekick, our co-host, the Ayatollah of Rock and Rolla, Swiggy. Yo. And we have Dr. Mike with us. For better or for worse. Yes. You're still standing on your oh, mute button there, Mike. Hey, guys. Oh, I'm so excited. I love this movie. We should mention, uh, we're drinking Foster's for this. The The last couple movies, we themed a beer with our movie. So We tried theme- to find a post-apocalyptic beer. Yeah, to, to, to no avail. But yeah, we got the 750 ml Foster cans. Uh, Foster's is apocalyptic. <laughs> okay, sure. Nobody wants to acknowledge it, but it is. <laughs> oh, Swigs, just sit down. Jeez. So I looked up a lot of trivia to this movie, mm-hmm. and I'm going to try not to say any of it. Okay, so let's do a little explanation here for people that don't know, because there's plenty of Americans that just know this as the Road Warrior. Internationally, this is known as Mad Max 2. And, well, uh, if you haven't seen this movie before, warning, it's fucking awesome. Spoilers, this is Max. (laughs) Yeah, so this whole intro here with all this stock footage, this black and white stuff... This is not in the foreign versions of the movie. This is just for the American version because no one knew what the fuck Mac, Mac, Mad Max was. So Max This The Road Warrior, this is most Americans' introduction to Mad Max, which, I, which is, I think, a perfect place to sort of access the series, right? If you've got to start somewhere. Um. Oh, it's so good. It works so well. Uh, I have a special relationship with this movie because I was telling both you guys this. You weren't aware. When I was younger, we had a t- me and Ditch had a, a TV and a cable box in our bedroom in the basement. And this was on cable all the freaking time in like 1991, 1992. And we... I never saw this all the way through until a few weeks ago. Big scenes from the first (laughs) movie. Yeah. Yeah. I can't think of... I've got a couple movies that are like that, but this is definitely kind of a cable generation thing. Oh, for sure. Oh, it's 
That's so good. I, the mm. first one's pretty motorcycle heavy. Fury Road's motorcycle heavy, but this is the motorcycle heaviest of all of them, I'm pretty sure. I don't know if it's yeah, entirely There's, there's quite a lot it's... in the first one. Yeah, there's the biker gang that they're up against, but there's... Oh, this one's so good. Oh, it's just so easy to sit back and say, this is a fucking awesome movie and, mm-hmm. and marvel at every moment, but... You can go to a lot of the places they filmed this. Apparently, most of the vehicles that were crashed, because they were all crashed for real, obviously, they just left them out there in the desert until like 15 years ago. Someone came through and cleared them all out. Here we go. The V8 Interceptor. Oh. We're, we're missing a scene here that... From instead of the stock footage that we just saw, the where Mad where Max meets up with these guys chasing him. But I kind of like it just cutting in here. So this bike, so we got yeah, Wes, we one of our main villains here on this bike. It's a so this movie's nineteen eighty one, I think. That's like a nineteen seventy nine Kawasaki Z one. It's the Z100. Z1 with the Vetter fairing, right? Yes. I think Wes's bike was, um, the fairing was done by an Australian company out of Melbourne. No, it's that, Vetter. Like, that like folded two years after. No, it's a Vetter. I do love how in this whole sequence, if you don't know anything about cars, none of this makes any sense to you whatsoever. The idea that he turned the supercharger off to save gas and reduce power because yeah. he was running out of gas there's so many little things that are going on here it's a very mythical kind of movie pretty impressive being shot in the arm there and only just slightly varying off road but then he turns the supercharger back on to ram him and like it's such a if you know nothing about superchargers this this is all mystery to you he hit it just hit the turbo button this is like Pure on, um, what's it? Uh, ba, 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 ba. Well, what's well, the thing that's so great about these movies is the in-your-face world building, where it doesn't hold your hand. Right. There's a lot to to rewatch and kind of think about in your head with all of these. So, Monday Monday Lookout is about five hours north of Adelaide, and it's where like most of. Uh, Two Look of the Mad Max movies were filmed. The detail on this on this Z nine hundred, it's this was a new bike essentially. P- people think about this movie being populated with a bunch of old junky vehicles, but most of the bikes in this were very very new actually. Because famously yeah. in these movies, they build all these vehicles for real. They're 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 all practical. They all really work. And if you think about it, when this movie was made for just a $1 million budget or something like that, it's so good. I love the lead in, the audio lead into the (laughs) shot. It's so good. It really is. But uh, if you think about it, having all these bikes makes so much sense because it's so easy to Mad Max a bike and so much cheaper than Mad Maxing a car. Yeah. So the movies were always going to be motorcycle heavy. 
I love his boyfriend's chain to the bike. You know, in a movie, in a world where people are crashing vehicles constantly, he just chains his boyfriend to the bike. Like, not a great move. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 all over the place, but I I love it. It yeah. It's it's the insanity of the world they live in. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you know I think you were right about that fairing. I think I was mixing it up with the first Mad Max movie. There's, yeah, there's a name mm-hmm. for that fairing, and I can't remember what it's called. But it's mm. the ge- the genius of this movie, right? Because this truck plays such a huge part in the movie, and it's just subtly here in the beginning. Little cheesy eighties makeup there, but whatever. I'm cool with it. No, that if you actually freeze frame on that, it's like on par with mosquitoes. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. But so we have to talk about Mel Gibson. Look at this little thing he's doing here. He is genuinely great in this. He's not it, it's he's great in the way that he's great in the way that Arnold Schwarzenegger is great at the Terminator. Yes. Man, there's no such thing as a shot of the of the interceptor not looking awesome. And so this was all shot in the winter. So apparently everyone is just freezing their ass off right now. Mm-hmm. But they're really selling it looking like like every, everything's oh, burning. Oh, yeah, the up. gyrocopter. Oh, it's so easy just to sit back and watch this movie. Mm-hmm. One word about gyrocopters, sky gypsies. Just Google it. So apparently this helicopter is a French military helicopter from like World War One or something. I believe it. Uh, Gyrocopter, because it it can't hover. Uh, Right, yeah. They just use it as a helicopter in the movie, but it's it's a gyrocopter. It needs to be moving. Uh, I want to say I looked it up that this is like a like a little one liter or seven fifty uh, two stroke motor on it. Oh, and here we go, Bruce Spence out of fucking nowhere. <laughs> Famously, the snake not poisonous. And Bruce Spencer, easily the most convincing post-apocalyptic character in the entire movie. Well, weren't you saying that you like to believe that the gyrocopter and one of the poachers from Ace Ventura 2 are the same character? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's like, Silverback, two miles. I I like to think of Feral Kid as the most authentic character in this movie. 
Well, no, my my favorite thing while watching this movie is just to imagine that this is just contemporary Australia. <laughs> just if you get like a hundred miles out of Melbourne, this, this is, is just, this is just what this going is just on. how life is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I drove past three of these just today. <laughs> I'd like to point out to the audience that, that there was a time when Moto G Pete thought that a scarf and goggles were a really good motorcycle look. I did have that look going for a while. It wasn't a purple scarf. No, it was a white silk scarf. Yeah. As much this as this is a, actually a really clever scene. It is. Well, well, the clever part is, is as much as a buffoon that the gyro the gyrocopter captain is. He's adapted to his environment. Right. He wouldn't still be alive if he didn't have some sort of savvy. So it's believable that he guessed that it was, well, he told him it was booby trapped, but you know, he was reasonable that he guessed there was a weapon under there and all of that. Yeah. A lot of the characters are goofy, but everything about the plot is just people wired to survive. Like they're only saying what they need to say to get out of a situation. Like all of them are just surviving. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so good. I the dog is mm-hmm. great. Aussie cattle dog. This is one yeah, of the best a, movie. I believe that is a pure breed Aussie cattle. Actually, dog. I think that one looks like a little bit of a mix to me. But there's a there's they're, a couple all, different. No, they're types, all yeah. like they all look like blue shepherds. Mm-hmm. But it's a blue healer, is what the dog is. Oh, is it? Fun there, fact: the dog was going to be euthanized. Mm-hmm. And they were looking for a dog, and they found it about to be euthanized. The, they they picked this dog out because it like brought a coin or some sort of object up to oh. them, and it initiated a game. Oh, wow. So they thought we could train this dog. And blue yeah. healers are notoriously super smart dogs. Yeah. And so they I have just trained healer. this dog like on set. It was not a movie dog or anything. And I think it went to go like live with one of the producers or some shit mm-hmm. afterwards, but it was going to be euthanized. It was just like, oh, this dog is e- super easily trainable. We'll just get it yeah. to do all the things we want it to do. So I love this where the they're burning a huge amount of the budget just showing you people tearing ass around like just burning gasoline, setting off flames. You don't know who's who. Bruce Spence is giving you this this, this little exposition. Yeah, yeah, but all you know is that there's a place with a bunch of gas, and then there's just a bunch of crazy people driving around it. Now, again, I don't want to just like completely destroy the plot of this movie but if this whole place is built on an oil derrick and they're gonna fill one fuel tanker truck full of gas then surely they can just leave with all their gas and the bandits can just pull more gas out of the ground i don't know what the logic of this and, it, and I acknowledge that it's not important. 
I think the idea is that just gas is so valuable that any amount is worth fighting for. But there's more gas. Mm-hmm. It just costs time. Like, again, I, I don't want to take away from the movie because it's perfect. We can all just pretend they're all irrationally insane and can't understand this concept. And I'll go along with it. I think we need to address the unspoken problem with air filters in this movie. Because they are in the desert. Uh, I mean, you know, presumably everything's got like at least a bit of cloth pulled over it to -hmm. to stop things. There's ways or you can make... If there's a part of of an engine you have to just make in the apocalypse i feel like the air filter is going to be one of the easier ones just a bit oh. of t-shirt over the air intake will do it if you have to this is the dog food scene the moment he even lifted that can the dog's like hind leg went up and it rolled into baby well that's the magic of filmography <laughs> you can cut shots any which way you like uh, that's just it a turned... good dog any way you split so it our he's a good boy our australian <laughs> listeners oops our Australian listeners will uh, appreciate that uh, the the Dinky Dye uh, dog food there. Dinky Dye is Australian. It just means like sort of genuine. It's it's a, it's as if it said Acme Acme genuine dog food on the can is sort of the the translation there. It's uh, the the big shot of it saying Dinky Dye is, is is sort of in your face. Like here you go. Let's make sure everyone really fucking knows this is an Australian movie. Dr. Mike does not endorse eating dog food. Now, that's got to be a uh, an early Honda CR right there that just went in there. Yeah. <clears throat> that, that couldn't have been anything else. Some really great dirt bike stunts in this. You know, if you think it's 1980, people weren't really doing that crazy of stunts. Like, X Games was not a thing. So when we get to some of the things that people are jumping with bikes and stuff in this movie, it's super duper impressive. I remember watching this as a kid and like this is being a powerful moment for me being like for reals eating <laughs> this dog food. The, I mean, so look at that here. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight bikes that I see there, mm. and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven cars. This is this Lord Humongous's tribe, or whatever he, whatever they want to be called, is I, I argue predominantly motorcycles. Yeah, I think most of the bikes for this movie, I want to say, are, Kaw- are like Kawasaki, like KZs or Z1s. It's a lot of, of Japanese them. stuff, yeah. There, There's different bikes in there. Well, that's also perfectly fitting with the location, because mm-hmm. most of what Australia had was essentially Japanese domestic market. Yeah. It's another reason I have an affinity for this movie is because I have a KZ 550 and there's a lot of like KZ 1000s in this movie. Yeah, a lot of that 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 uh, police interceptor bike. Yeah. 
Yeah, in inline four stuff and twin. Well, there's there's all sorts. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of Yamaha um, XS six fifties in this. There's there's all sorts of stuff, but it does tend to be Japanese. And again, like modern stuff, they just took kind of new bikes and roughed them up. <laughs> all these Lord cars. Humongous just talk, even though you can't hear what he says, he's just always talking. So Lord Humongous is uh, again. It depends on which version of the movie you're watching has different voices. He's dubbed by different people. In this version that most Americans know, he's got this weird sort of. It may be the voice. Of, the the original actor is like some sort of like Swedish bodybuilder, and. I don't know if that's the voice that they go with for this version of the movie, but there's some, uh, apparently the, I th- I'm led to believe that the original voice was a lot more high pitched. Hmm. And, and for, for the American version, they dubbed him with a, a lower voice. Oh, this movie scene, this is scene is so brutal. There you go, four bikes. Oh, and it's just the bikes taking down the car, too. Alright. So that one is that one your Z Z one? Uh, we'll have to get a little bit closer. I love this. Like, there's this super tragic scene with this strange visual joke in it, right? Coming yeah. up. I'm not laughing at what's about to happen to her, but look at this where he see- <laughs> he's got to have the telescope. His like bondage boyfriend just seems like upset. Uh, I don't know it. Do you think Bruce Spence had the same teeth makeup from uh, Ace Ventura Two to this movie? I want to believe he had the same teeth the whole time. Those are just normal teeth, and he got them fixed. <laughs> Everybody in the Outback has teeth like that. Oh, he has iconic teeth. Wasn't he? I might be wrong here, but wasn't look, he the? Uh, wasn't he the voice of Sauron? Look, I'm pretty, let me look it up. If you have to visit your dentist by airplane, I assume that you're going to let things slide. Yeah, he was the mouth of Sauron. Those teeth. Oh, was he? Yep. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Okay. So we'll just casually gloss over the rape scene. Well, it's, they, they were it's in the edge of his binoculars brutal, anyway. But I do have to say it serves a great purpose in the movie. They They just take this moment to let you know that nobody gives a fuck. It does establish context. Like, they never even are focusing on her, right? Yeah. 
when our gyro captain here is like a little bummed out by it. That's Bruce Spence to you, sir. Look. <laughs> He's just known as the gyro captain, but look, look, she's never like fully in frame that he just walks by her. Like no one gives a fuck. So brutal. I do wonder what the apocalyptic utility of the Mohawk is. I, I guess you're just being a scary motherfucker. <laughs> well, we should say what this movie did for Mohawks, right? Because, yeah, sure, Mohawks were punk and whatever in the 70s and this and that. But before this, biker gangs and movies were just kind of biker gangs, right? And then after this movie... Every biker gang in a movie has to have crazy mohawks and feathers and 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 all sorts of nonsense. They've got to have weird weapons, oh. bats with axes going through them, bats with nails, or, right. or something ridiculous. Yeah, all of a sudden the bikes are all blacked out with spray paint, and they've got animal skins on them, and it's it's a moment. After this, biker gangs in movies are distinctly different and it's all based off of the bikers in this movie there's a lot of important exposition in this last scene because you're setting up this character and you're as the audience you're kind of wired to think oh he's going to be the hero but he goes in to save this guy and his first line is I'm just here for the gasoline (laughs) so how do you guys feel about the feral kid uh, I love it. I, I like Feral Kid. I love, I love Feral Kid too, but most people I think that are fans, even big fans of this movie, are kind of annoyed by the Feral Kid. I think it makes the movie much more whimsical than a lot of the plot to the first Mad Max was just dark. It, like it, they, they spend like 45 minutes building up character development with his wife and then they, and then they, they kill off his family. Yeah. Like there's there's something more joyfully whimsical about this. It you know, does, on the first viewing, I'm with it. you. On the on, like I, back it back in the day, watching it, but finally watching this movie all the way through, as ridiculous as the feral kid is, if you really think about the world, he and you watch the movie enough times, he becomes the most realistic character in the whole thing, and it strangely starts to ground the whole movie. It does. Well, no, again, well, this is my perspective is again, I assume this is modern day Australia, and this is just the how educational life is. system has failed this child, and the feral kid just makes that whole idea all that much more plausible. So take that as you will. All right. I want the Australian audience to just totally unload on Swiggy here so I can listen to it in the next drunken emails. I don't know if they'll disagree with me. (laughs) Look, I have to say, Australia has ridden way too long on a cool accent. Right, 
<laughs> like as a country, it has a lot more to do with Kentucky than you think. It's it's not a super sophisticated <laughs> place. I mean, I don't. I'm not as pessimistic about the, about the rural areas as maybe Swiggy is with this. But like, Look, they're introducing new characters here. Here you've got the Australian Mick Jagger. Right. <laughs> I. I do love everyone's outfits here in this little uh, this little gas town. They've got a, a much lighter look. They're really heavy on the sports equipment in this one, especially. I think her name's. I think her official name is Warrior Girl. There, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of yeah, all the yellow and everything. It's um, you know, uh, Fury Road really brings it home with visual okay. storytelling. Here's the most strong. implausible part of the whole movie. How is this asshole who's paraplegic with who's hung off of this crane? How did he get under the car to find the booby-trapped explosive under the fuel tank? I don't know. Miller is a very clever director. I'm sure he uh I'm sure he had it all planned out as to how. You know the director of My this movie was is was ruined. a doctor. I don't know if <laughs> But yeah, Miller Miller was a doctor who like once he started making these movies, he like stopped practicing medicine. <laughs> now, one thing that that does get me about these people here in this town and this bothered me when I was a kid, these flamethrower cannons you know, the gasoline's supposed to be a precious commodity of which there's hardly any left in the entire world, and they are just burning it through this cannon. They've they, got they, bows they've and like, arrows. They've got, like, a tap on the gas. Like, they have, they have a source that is, like, they have a good source. So, Well, again, but that, that, that also leads to my question. Yeah, but again, they is, need this shit to survive. Like, sure, they can burn all they want today, but what about 20 years from now? They're going to wish they weren't well, burning so much of it now. Well, that's their plan is to get out of here. But Oh, motorcycles. Okay, we need to stop all of the the plot revision and analysis and just enjoy this scene. This is, this is one of my favorite parts of the movie. It's so good. Did I see a couple of quads? There's all kinds of shit in this movie. <laughs> Any kind of fucked up vehicle there possibly can be. So you can get a really good shot of the turbo that they fit to this uh, Z900 here. So remember, this is this is at the these the the, uh, the time that they were doing the Z1RTC. So the question is, is that just a Kawasaki like Z1 or is that a Z1RTC that they fucked up for this movie? Yeah. Toadie is so good. (laughs) 
I just I don't know why it makes me laugh, but the first thing he says is how he's disappointed. It's this huge build up, this big intro for this gigantic character, and he's I'm gravely disappointed. I there's so much comedy in it for me. And he calls their plan puny. What a puny plan. <laughs> what a puny plan. <laughs> <laughs> what a puny plan. It's clearly like their only shot at survival. <laughs> Call it a puny plan. It's amazing. Oh, this okay. So this is yeah, this is that that amazing scene. Oh, the kid here. So <laughs> Again, I like to envision that this is modern Australia in the outback. <laughs> they they do do some odd things here with reversing foot. Oh. <laughs> Uh, My favorite so part about this is that it's he, that, that that like quarter second shot of the fingers that like well no that's I just love that so they're all good. laughing at him and here he starts to laugh at himself for getting his fingers cut off <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh. in reality this is the most motorcycle part of the whole movie. Oh yeah, but in a way. <laughs> so this is the most homoerotic, which there's nothing wrong with, but this is more homoerotic than him being bummed out about his uh, his his uh, little boyfriend slave being killed by the thing, like humongous choking him out and giving him this little like talk. You know, it is a sort of like choke out intervention. <laughs> like, well, the only the other movie scene, the only thing this is like is like you know, let it turn into something else. How, right? how, <laughs> be, be honest, how many times would it have been better to just be choked out? Like, like let's say when we were on the ride to Austin to just get a good choke out, and then and then we recover and go on. Uh, I don't know if it ever went that far. No. The preposterous dichotomy of Lord Humongous... Right, like, like he's well spoken, but he just runs this desert gang of like murderous, raping outlaws. With uh, they're not even coherent. Like his gang is made up of like four or five different gangs that he's sort of absorbed. So his plan to just wipe out these people in the town doesn't even make much sense because you'd think he'd just want to absorb them into his gang again. Oh, we got a little sidecar there. Yeah, that was an XS650 with the sidecar, mm. for sure. Mm. 
Let's see what other bikes we could recognize here. Well, uh, not a good enough shot. I the the everyone remembers the cars, but again, subtly, so much motorcycle action. He's kind of the only character I'm not sure if I buy survives this world, right? Oh, yeah. He, he's a little too emotional. Yeah. I don't know if he does survive. Uh, well, no, I'm not talking about, like, long term. I'm just even up to this mm-hmm. point, oh, yeah. right? Like, how did he get far, this far by being such a whiner and... This is such a great 80s movie moment, too. There's no way these characters <laughs> haven't had this conversation 3,000 times before, right? But now they need to, like, all stand on top of the bus and shout about it. I do love how... Um how Mel Gibson got locked, like handcuffed to the rails and escaped. And in both being handcuffed and escaping, there's no consequences or no significance whatsoever. Yeah. I, I didn't see this is why I love the kid right there. I didn't get this when I watched this movie younger. He holds up the boomerang there to show him the blood to just go like he, he, you know, look what I did. Look what I exactly. Like he's like, yeah. You know, you should be careful around me. And it's it's only this music box that sort of distracts him from his sort of normal existence of killing people as a kid with boomerangs. Again, this film is so much more fun if you think about this as modern day Australia. <laughs> But again, once you realize the kid's not just sort of like walking around him being a kid around him, he walks up to just go like, look, I killed people today. All of a sudden, the 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 character becomes a lot freakier, a lot more disturbing and more realistic. Yeah. Do you or do you yeah. fight to live? Yeah, I, I, f- I feel like there's no there's no religion here. There's no greater principle. That's what kind of makes this an, an '80s moment. <laughs> yeah. like we fight for a belief. Like really, do they get stronger, or are they as desperate as you are? Like I, yeah, there it gets. I love how all these late seventies, early eighties sort of movies like this, like everything's ADR. There's no yeah. microphones on set. Everything's mm-hmm. ADR. It like when I think of great ADR movies, 
by which I mean really bad ADR movies, Zardoz springs to mind. Yeah. <laughs> I do love how Mel Gibson himself, like, in this movie, actually switches between, between saying gasoline and guzzoline. Yeah, they bring it but in he says But he says guzzoline to them, hmm. because that's what they know it as. But he well, the ha- gyrocopter, ca- uh, uh, gyrocopter cap, yeah, he calls it guzzoline as well. No, but it's the fact that when he's talking to the gyrocaptain, he says gasoline, when he's talking to them, he says guzzling because he still remembers the old world. Right. And that's why he's going insane, and that's why he's Mad Max. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a deep. Like... Think of how think of how, how much heavy better they'd that all much be doing. Diesel would be. It'd yeah. be like well, yeah. three hundred and fifty pounds. <laughs> no, it'd probably be two hundred something pounds. Well, he said what, like eight. Eight gallons. It's a lot. Or five gallons. It is a lot. Just, I know V8 Interceptor is impressive, but think of how much better they'd all be doing if they just rode 150 cc's. Well, again, that's why the bikes make so much more sense for this world. They've got to have the big heavy cars in order to uh, to overtake you know, some tankers and other things, but practically the bikes make a lot more sense. This is a scene that really never made a lot of sense to me as a kid. It's just, it's kind of the limitations of the filmmaking at the time and and the budget and where they were. But I was like, haven't they only walked like 15 feet outside of the base? Like, yeah, yeah, it's basically that much. Well, how big is this perimeter? How many people are in this gang? Right. Like the scales don't really work out, but See, I would call this a when the shit hits the fan situation. Yeah. <laughs> That's that is Yeah, are preppers really into this movie? Or do preppers watch this and they're like, what a bunch of amateurs. None of these people hit anything underground. No one's got a bunker. Everyone's running off of these shitty cars. Is uh- I would say all no of the above. solar panels whatsoever. Yeah, is this- oh, here's the problem: they're in Australia. <laughs> I mean, is this a movie that that the progressive left needs to idolize because it's so anti-prepper? <laughs> oh, this is. I mean, I feel that right there completely balances out the horrific rape murder scene. I think so. <laughs> I, I- this I would call this prepper bubblegum right here. He seems shocked here that the gyro captain fucked off. But and he almost looks a little hurt on his face there, like, well, where'd he go?
There's some deep emotional conflict in Max. Also, the gyro captain's got at least, what, a day and a half has... No, a full day start on him. He catches up really quick. Well, in fairness, they did drive there. So this is somewhat believable. No, I'm saying how quickly Max and the dog catch up to the gyro captain when he's carrying 200 pounds of diesel. Oh, he's carrying like 40 pounds of diesel. Like, it's not insane. Well, it's 40 gallons. No, he's carrying like 8 gallons. That He's got four at least 10-gallon jerry cans there. You know, as the owner of an Aussie cattle dog, I've got to say, this is movie math, okay? They tear shit. Like, it's like not you, an Aussie cattle dog. It's a yeah. blue healer. Mm, same thing. They, no, not the same thing. <clears throat> you throw a ball, like you go to the dog park, you throw a ball, and they are like freaking fast. I love this little payoff that his snake and the gyro cat, like, did, did kill somebody. It has yeah. nothing to do with the story. It doesn't pay off except to let us know that as crazy as this character is, his shit kind of makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess we get the we get the the shotgun shells here. God, this is such a great reveal. Oh, and they 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 make this pay off again in Fury Road, don't they? It is funny, too, that just off-camera, he's making fun of the way that Mad Max looks. <laughs> he's wearing this purple scarf and, like, yellow stockings. I this is a the gyrocopter is a war against aerodynamics. Like I don't know if aerodynamics plays into it at all. Yeah, this this little thing like holds one person at like one light person at best. The idea of getting two people into it is completely completely insane. But whatever, it's a movie. I'll 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 allow it. I'm you know, I mean, the thing's real. It works. Yeah, but yeah. not with mm-hmm. two people. Yeah. I would try one. I've been wanting a gyrocopter, actually. I, I, I think I was talking to both of you guys about this mm-hmm. a month or two yeah, ago. We've that the, the gyrocopter from Pilot Wing 64 is based off of a real gyrocopter called the Bentley or Bentley, like six something, whatever, whatever. Um, and they're like three to five grand in decent shape. And I've said it already, but just Google Sky, Sky Gypsies because there's this great like 90s ad video 
of like this motorcycle going down like an Arizona desert road, and then all of a sudden it's a gyrocopter and it lifts up into the air. And it's just so like '90s infomercial. I it's would, fantastic. I would actually be way more confident in a paramotor, but I guess we should probably talk about the movie a little bit more. I mm. uh, mm. yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everyone's watching the movie. There's there's not a whole lot of of. Uh, I mean, what's going to happen is awesome. He's just going to run this truck through a gauntlet of Lord Humongous's gang and it's gonna be badass. And his dog's a good boy. Mike, well, mm. earlier today you brought up a great point that I'd mm. forgotten about that Wes here uh, a little CB750 there uh, Wes plays um, basically Wes in we- uh, Weird Science. Yeah, yeah. It's just one of those little trivia things I read online is that like the actor who plays Re- Wes comprises his role uh, in in a scene in the movie Weird Science, complete with like the exact same outfit he's we, wearing and, in this yeah, in movie. The, in the oh, par- that's a great scene. yeah, in the party <laughs> scene where the bikers like crash the party, mm-hmm. Wes is the head of that biker gang. Yeah. Again, supporting what I said about movies with biker gangs after this, right? They yeah. all take mm-hmm. on this sort of sports equipment, S and M, punk rock, animal skins sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You see what? Trying to tell her those dirt tires. They kind of have to be for all of these vehicles. And, you know, it makes a lot of sense, too, that our good guys are in all the sports equipment and our bad guys are in all the S&M gear. Because what is S&M gear if not evil sports equipment? (laughs) 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 I do love this scene. Like, this is the only scene in the entire movie with any bullets. Yeah, his. Oh, yeah. I love the golden skull and skull, like on the (laughs) inside of it. Yeah. There's no explanation for it. It's just he's got this insane gun. Well, it's it's a pistol, but like, it's the nicest thing in the movie, right? Everything else in this movie is dirty and beat to shit. It yeah. doesn't really work as originally intended. It's all yeah. been it's all been jerry rigged. But he's Lord got this humongous gun is the only nice <laughs> thing in the movie. It just sits in this red felt case. <laughs> I like to imagine that the cartoon gun in the case is uh, in uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. It's just a cartoon <laughs> yeah. representation of Lord Humongous's gun. Because <laughs> yeah. it's the only two places in film history I've seen someone remove a gun and its bullets out of a velvet case. These yeah. are the only two times it's ever happened, as far as I know. I, I could probably name another movie, but it, look, it would his, involve werewolves. His, look, his whole strategy is to drop... A case on this th- on this this gun, which, as far as I can tell, is powered by a rack of Honda CV or Cayenne uh, CV carbs. Hey, it worked. 
He totally snaked that card. It's true, but isn't the snake his pet? Like the snakes, <laughs> the snake crashed as well. The snake is not think, a pet. The snake is a tool. Yeah, I, he, I guess so. He, he said, "I trained it. I'll eat it." Earlier, he said it to the dog. You know, the girl with the white headband Warrior girl. gets a lot of screen time, but mm-hmm. the screen time doesn't provide any more character development whatsoever. Yeah. Oh, this is where we learn why this guy got cast for this role. <laughs> because he clearly is his own stunt double. <laughs> you know, speaking of stunts for this movie, so something I've heard about this movie and I can't prove it is that Mel Gibson was going through a phase of his life where he was really into bar fights when they made this. And if it's a great reverse shot. Yeah. Apparently he, uh Mel Gibson went around teaching a lot of people in this movie how to headbutt without hurting yourself. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because Wes is uh, two down for good headbutts so far. Again, this is modern Australia. I, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I maintain. Yeah, I did read in my trivia that um, like the, the production was based out of the town of Silverton, Australia, and there's a bar in Silverton that you can go to that has like all the memorabilia from the movie, so... Maybe you could uh, go into that bar and get into a fight with someone, give them a good headbutt. So are you suggesting, Swigs, that perhaps the the uh, the COVID remote learning for the Australian educational system is just YouTube videos of modern Mel Gibson just saying crazy shit and telling kids how to headbutt? <laughs> uh, I think it's more instinctual than... <laughs> Than academic, you but, know, I, I think Australia yeah, had remote learning figured of, out. I think that it is essentially the curriculum. <laughs> that is a great underrated Wes moment right there, where he turns around and just says that. <gasps> he does a lot yeah. of great horse acting. <laughs> Classic Wes. It is. Oh, I forgot about this. The, all these creepy moments the gyrocopter has, like with uh, with the girls in this town. Not not the kid here, but he he says like it could be made to take a passenger. It's like mm-hmm. they they've just been attacked. They they're working on this plan so they can all escape certain death, and he's just gonna take this little beat here to just sort of like work his angle. oh there's another great 80s we're we're coming up on my this is my favorite scene in the whole movie this is another 80s trope like the the communication just for comic effect Mm -hmm.
I want my car worked on by John Mellencamp. See, now, this is the one thing I would have changed here. When he goes, yeah, all right, when he hears, like, 24 hours, I wish he'd just gone, meh, bonzo. <laughs> I don't know why. I just feel like that would have just been better if he's just saying that, yeah, right, bonzo. <laughs> it might have been a little too Australian for everyone else, but... It, but it would have meant a lot to Pete. It would have meant a lot to me. I love that her like big emotional gift. This movie's so fucking awesome. <laughs> So, uh, famously, Mel Gibson only 16 lines in this movie. Yeah. It feels like he's already said a bunch of stuff, but he's only like seven lines in at this point. Yeah. Oh, this is so good, too. Like, in the background, they're just lighting prisoners on fire. Here with like the smoke and everything behind him, he looks like this like insane alternative lifestyle, like Fabio, like book cover dude. I like how the good guys are all basically wearing like discarded fencing gear. Yeah, when I was nine, like, how did I never have a nightmare about watching this movie? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, never did though. This... A lot of these scenes are really just really bad trips. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but seriously, like I, I never had any thoughts about this movie except, oh, thank goodness it's on again. It, this movie's sweet. <laughs> And I was like nine. Just a normal day in Australia. Just a normal day. These outfits are like everybody I went to first grade with. Especially the haircuts. Oh, yeah, her hairdo with it all going straight up there. It's wonderful. Yeah, she could have been my gym teacher. Yeah, there there are a few things about this a little ahead of their time, because it's 81. There's, you know, if you look at her, her sweatband there, mm-hmm. that's definitely ahead of the time. That hairdo and sweatband, way ahead of its time. This is genuinely the creepiest moment of the movie, right? Look, but, <laughs> no, she's not acting. She's just scared and confused. <laughs> she doesn't know what's going on. This is a live reaction. <laughs> I 
I love too that the gyro captain knows that impending doom is there, but he's so desperate to get laid, he stays there. Right? He can just take off and leave at any time, and anybody doesn't. We're led to believe that this character has a little bit of uh, loyalty for Max, and that's why he stays. But we're given this scene. He just really needs to get his rocks off. He is desperate for Poon. Yeah. I'm not even sure he says anything after this now. This is like a four-minute scene or something. He doesn't say shit. I think Bruce Willis would have made a good Max Rokotansky. Bruce Will So I can even forgive the bad Hollywood punch there. Uh, like, as as insane as Mel Gibson is, he really does bring it in, in this movie. Let's not forget that his plan is very sensible. He's got, you know, proportionally to himself as much gas. You know, he's got everything he can he can handle. He is fully stocked up, supplied. He's got his weapons. He's got bullets in his gun. He he's good to go, and he's going to leave under cover of darkness when they're expecting everyone else to leave all of a sudden with all the gasoline, right? I. His plan's extremely sensible. I don't know. He also has the fastest vehicle of all of them. He does, yeah. Not only does he not give a fuck, he can't be blamed for not giving a fuck. (laughs) 
A lot of people say at this point that he doesn't take the feral kid with him because he thinks it's going to be tougher to survive or whatever. The kid's going to be more complication. I I think the kid can hold his own. I think he should have taken the kid. I I, I uh, I'm not going to fault the movie logic there, but I think it holds up that he could have taken the kid. Well, with, with what we know happens at the end, it makes sense that the kid is the kid would have ended up in the wrong place if he'd gone with Max. Uh, yeah, I don't know. The kid doesn't weigh much. If the gyro- look, if the copter can hold him <laughs> and the pilot and the snake, it'll hold the kid as well. You know? <laughs> and the snake. <laughs> don't forget the snake. You know, if things you know get back to normal at some point, we should try to organize a a Denver Mad Max run. What what do you mean? A uh, like a local like build your own Mad Max style vehicle, or a go yeah. to go to Australia and see? There's been one in Indianapolis, at least I know of, for uh-huh. like eight years or something. Uh-huh. Ian Chidley told me about it. Mm, I'd be down for it. What's his investment in Max leaving? Again, he can fly off at any time with his poon. (laughs) Well, no, because she won't leave. But. Oh, here we go. Now, what's that bike behind him there? I have no idea. <laughs> I can't a remember the, up. Yeah, I can't remember the great. reason they had to speed the film up, but it was something to do with it being so cold the vehicles couldn't get traction. Uh it's something to do with the dirt and the temperature. They they had to do it super slow and speed it up. They just really had no option. I like that they have NOS. There's a lot of questions in that scene, and we will address none of them. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this is the moment for so many people of like, why? Why did the car have to go? Right? (laughs) Yeah. Not the first time that they'll ask that question. It's kind of like when you told me that... um, that uh, Armida's, the, the karaoke joint in Denver, uh, yeah, yeah. had succumbed to, you know, they, they closed their doors mm-hmm. permanently due to COVID. And I was like, no, I wish COVID would take me instead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? I, 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 why, can't, why did the Interceptor have to go, you know? 
Do they address that in Thunderdome? Is 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 the um the camel caravan that he's hauling in Thunderdome is that supposed to be like the the interceptor? I don't know, but it, it comes back in Free Road. But again, mm-hmm. these movies don't really do continuity. Yeah. Yeah, when I watched this with my son a few weeks ago, he took the dog dying really badly. Uh, (laughs) Like, everything else in this, like, my nine-year-old was totally cool with, but the dog... Yeah, that is (laughs) unexpectedly brutal, yeah. And the dog dies off-camera, too. Mm -hmm. Yes, this all, all of this, none of, like the blood, like the crashes, like all of it, like <laughs> the rape. Well, I, I had him turn around for the rape. I'm okay. not an animal, <laughs> but like, <laughs> yeah, I, I watched, I watched this with with my son, and then, and then uh, the next day, I watched Tank Girl with my daughter. <laughs> it's a good Both. combo. I love Tank Girl. That is that's a fantastic movie. I don't know about fantastic. I I totally forgot that Naomi Watts is a Tank Girl though. <laughs> I that really took me by surprise. And um, Malcolm uh, Malcolm no. uh, Malcolm what's his face is <laughs> I forgot him is the head of Power and Water. That's all. That movie's always gonna have a special place. I forgot about Ice T and uh, the, oh, oh, Ice T is the the mutant kangaroo. One yeah. of them, yeah. yeah. Oh, so good. <laughs> yeah, Tank Girl came out at a time when they weren't really doing any movies based on like alt comic books. Yeah, the- and and they pulled it off very well. I wonder if there's some sort of Mad Max Tank Girl crossover sort of oh property that could happen. Could, yes, sure. could Tank Girl be in the Mad Max extended universe? <laughs> <laughs> I argue. Absolutely. I argue yes. that Waterworld, Tank Girl, like, <laughs> these, are, these are all in the Mad Max extended universe, right? <laughs> Oh, yeah. there's our I mean, this movie started so many post-apocalyptic knockoffs, right? That if as you watch this, if if you've seen so many other movies and never heard of this before, it's easy to think, well, what's so special about this? Except this movie is one hundred percent original. Right? Yes. It just it doesn't borrow from anything. Yeah, absolutely. Waterworld does not exist without this movie. Right. So so what what is in the the Mad Max extended universe? I I well, I guess the Postman has to be if Waterworld's in it, the Postman <laughs> is in it. Are there Mel Gibson movie like is The Patriot? No, (laughs) I I do want to point out, and this is kind of unrelated, but a really depressing point. No, no. (laughs) I would like to just point out that we are living in the worst timeline where you can watch The Matrix for free on Netflix, but you have to pay money to watch The Postman. Yeah. We, yes. we we are in, our timeline is 
It's all it's messed up. It's a dystopia. Up. It's all messed up. It's hard to find the director's cut. Oh, of yeah, that guy died. Well. Is Dennis Hopper must still be alive, right? Uh, I would think I'm so. Check into that. I'm pretty sure he is. If there's another Mad Max. <coughs> If there's another Mad Max movie, I'd like to see Dennis Hopper. Um, Dennis Hopper has been dead since 2010. Holy crap. Mm -hmm. How did I miss that? Yeah. Well, we're going to deep fake Dennis Hopper for the villain in the next Mad Max movie. His kids will get a check. It's going to be yeah. awesome. He he was in a Rebel Without a Cause, nineteen fifty five. So he's, hey, post apocalyptic is the Super Mario Brothers movie in the Mad Max extended <laughs> universe. I definitely well, I put it that too, because that takes place in an alternate dimension. So it really takes the extended universe part of it to heart, right? <laughs> it's definitely in the Tank Girl. Universe. It's definitely dystopian. I'm sorry, this is a step too far. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. If any one of our listeners knows George Miller, I want to know if Super Mario Brothers is in the Mad Max <laughs> Extended Universe. Now, where where does this movie come in in terms of a timeline to Die Hard? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Die Hard doesn't doesn't fit in this world. No, I know that. I'm just, but this whole thing of like how he's completely beat up and he can't possibly go on, but he's gonna drive the tanker. What 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 came first, Bruce Willis being completely just fucked up before the final sequence of Die Hard, or or this? Uh I think this was earlier. Well, this is 81. I'm trying... Yeah, yeah, because uh, Die Hard must Die have Hard been 84, like, 85. I thought it was like... Yeah, it's around there, I thought. It might be 86, 88. It's somewhere sort of mid-80s. You're right, yeah, this is... Because, yeah, I don't know many movies before this where, you know, the hero, the hero comes into the third act just... Not just down on the odds, but just... Fucked up. Just fucked up, yeah. God, I love this By movie. By the way, uh, review on the three-quarter liter... There's a Triumph right there. Yeah. One mm. of the few bikes that wasn't new. It's so okay. homoerotic. <laughs> Uh, this movie is really progressive if you think about it. Like we, we've named all these movie tropes that this is starting, and we haven't even dug into the gay porn. Like, well, one thing I will say now is um, the seven hundred and fifty milliliter cans of Foster's bullshit format. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> this is 
ridiculously impractical. I bet they stack well on a truck. What's the? I never noticed the photo in his gun case before. It's like it looks like some like World War One sort of army getup in the thing. We're supposed to believe he's some sort of ex-military. I think. Yeah, they talk about it in the trivia. I think, and um, there's a lot of speculation that he was like his parents were Nazis or something. But I think it's just another one of those Frank Miller random things that are in there. George Miller, George, yeah. George Miller, that you can't really uh, can't really back up with anything. Famously, though, in these movies, there are they like they did write huge backstories for like every character. They just don't tell you. Mm-hmm. It's it's it show me, don't tell me, which is great. Mm. <laughs> I like that Lord Humongous is an ace shot with that pistol, too. Mm. So, coming up here pretty soon, if you want to know why we're talking about this on a motorcycle podcast, one of the some of the greatest motorcycle stunt work to ever go to film is coming up now. Oh. It's so, just these jumps into the into the thing here. Ooh, so what were those bikes? That's uh, No Again, CG. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remind everybody, modern day Australia. Just another <laughs> day in the outback. <laughs> totally plausible. <laughs> this is how to speak Australian. Wednesday. Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> Right, this is to believe. This, See, this is could, where we get a lot. This, I mean, the whole movie is this great build up to this, and oh, it just this just keeps delivering. See, this could be like Greeley Windsor. No, th- <laughs> this is so insane. Like the fact that they filmed not as a movie plot, but just as the practicality of filming this in real life. This is all insane. This is it's fucking, so well tracked. This is so well choreographed. Bonkers. When you think about like the amount of road that they were driving down and you were thinking about the helicopter shot and getting all of this in one take, like there are some scenes that come up here that are just absolutely fucking bonkers. You know, forget post-apocalyptic movies. I argue you don't get the chase scene at the end of the first Fast and Furious movie without this. Mm. <laughs> 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 Again, tell me, is this is this like four canon like arch like thing like powered by ha- uh, Cayenne CV carbs or not? Because <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and I would like to remind everyone with these stunts that the director of this movie 
again is a was a former doctor and he stopped practicing medicine to make these movies. So when you get these crazy stunts, can you imagine like just like that like a, a licensed doctor is making people sign the waivers to do these crazy <laughs> yeah. stunts. You think they had insurance for this? <laughs> like, no, absolutely not. I do love that somebody, oh. somebody like wrote a screenplay look that at, included this uh, this concept. Just <laughs> this stunt right here. Look how that thing just bounces around perfectly in mm. frame. They didn't know it was going to do that. Oh. oh yeah, this. I Look, again, how, being ahead of its time, like check how out how that guy's it. um XS650 has a sort of uh almost um triumph uh street triple kind of look to it. Doesn't it? Also, start the clock. This guy's hands are on fire. Mm-hmm. Let's oh, see yeah. how long until it's, this is uh, affecting him. Well, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. So, are those what? What is powering that? Are those carburetors on top? No, they're not. I but, don't know. Well, that would not, not make powering any what, sense. The gun. Well, no, but I mean. I know this. I know, like George Miller wants everything to just, like sort of work in this, but there's also a lot of things that are just sort of automotive set pieces, just to mm-hmm, be automotive yeah. set pieces. It's it was plausible that there were just carbs on there, and the idea was that yeah. is there somehow fuel powered archery things. So this guy I, is processed to death, and his hands are still on fire. By the way, mm-hmm. well, he's hardcore. <laughs> I, <laughs> Is that a blazer? What is that? Uh, no, I don't think so. Well, it's not a Bronco. Some sort of weird Holden thing. Yeah. It's the, maybe the Holden version of the Bronco. Possibly. Uh, maybe the, the Holden version of the blazer. But Was Holden Chevy or Ford? Uh, I believe Holden was GM. Okay, then it'd be like a blazer. Okay. Again, we need Australian listeners to to let us know what the fuck. But oh, there there are plenty of places online where they've nitpicked all oh, yeah. what all the vehicles are. And yes, a lot of them are Holdens, but there's a lot of like Ford trucks too. Here it is. This is the yeah. stunt. He was not. His feet were not supposed to hit that. He he. Uh, yeah, he, he got pretty jacked up. Yeah, he got jacked up doing that. Yeah, this is the uh, the '80s version of like the Spider-Man Broadway play. <laughs> <laughs> so, what would you call that? Would that that be a high side? Uh, okay, now now we get some. Oh, 
shooting crossbows off the back of bikes. I, that is some great Foley work. Yeah. But how do they do that right there where the dude jumps off the bike onto the truck? We saw the whole thing in frame. Didn't we? Uh, that was a good, there was a really good cut. Oh, oh, yeah. I don't know how you get that shot. That's I amazing. Don't either. Mm-hmm. That's a fantastic shot. Because it's all practical. If this was in a movie today, I know how you get that shot. But not... You just fucking do it. You just fucking go for it. Yeah. Oh. Again, again, this seems like a casual scene, but how do you get this shot... Like mm-hmm. in the moment, like you have, there's so much coordination. Yeah. Well, and just it, to get a camera, and it and all helicopter. adds up being continuous in in sort of the the plot of the chase, like who's attacking when, who's where. Right. There's more more horse acting from Wes. More. <laughs> 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 Well, I guess as you were talking about the uh, this being modern day and the kid, you know, I guess the way he's speaking has some sort of precedent in Wes. <laughs> yeah. Now, besides Lord Humongous, are those the only two gunshots in this movie? Uh, I believe so. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. a, a thing that I've missed about that scene for like so much is that there's a little moment there where the uh, the bags on their heads fly off of them just before their heads smash into the back of the truck so they get to see how they're going to die. <laughs> it had to be pointed out to me. <laughs> but it's one of those things that makes this so much fun. That that too there like like why is he so dismissive of all Max's efforts here? He, he he just rolls up to him. He hasn't said anything. He just puts his hand up like, what are you yeah. doing? Right? <laughs> also, Lord Humongous is apparently way more accurate with a two-pound, like, trident than he is with a pistol. Well, he does take out the radiator and and the 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 timing on the uh on the the rig here with his pistol when it when it flies in. Humongous is pretty much a crack shot all over the place. Yeah. As is the gyro captain. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, there we go. You know, those do look like carburetors. On right? They look they like do. CV cars. I know they're not, but they 
what else are they supposed to be? I mean, functionally, that's retarded. But (laughs) I think that's what they're meant to be. Or that's what they put on them for the effect. How do you convince people to be in the cars for those shots? <laughs> right? It's ridiculous. Yeah, that kid should not be holding a firearm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, modern day Australia. (laughs) (laughs) Totally believable. (laughs) I think there were a lot of people on the internet saying, like, how hot, how hot is the roof of that car supposed to be? Or like the cover of that car, the hood. Like he sends this kid out on there. It's been riding for a long time. It's probably like 200 degrees. Some more just sort of noise acting from Wes there. I love it. He puts a lot of emotion into it. did, Did Humongous die in that scene too? Oh, yeah. Why was he there? Why did he even do that? It's, uh, it's sort of like they, like, as far, so what we don't really, understand about humongous until this moment is that humongous has no resources for humongous. It's stop this tanker or death. Uh They're just going to starve out. Like where are they getting the gas for all these big V eights that they've got? Right. For humongous, they have to stop it. There's no option. Mm. Yeah. There's like a couple scenes that are missing that actually expound upon that. Oh, okay. Okay. This is so brutal, too. This is something that I, I remember seeing and understanding was supposed to be a big scene when I was a kid and didn't really get until watching it all the way through again that just understanding there was never any gas in it to begin with. Mm. Fucking brutal, right? The only thing I don't know is, so did Max not know that there was no gas in it? No. No. Well, his look tells you that he didn't know. He's just carrying the kid like a suitcase. Again, modern Australia. (laughs) This is totally believable. This is how they live. Look at his face. He didn't know. 
So you can drive a gyrocopter. Well, of course, because there's a fan mm-hmm. on the back and yeah. the top. Like yeah, your mm-hmm. like your dude with the uh, the mop bucket and the umbrella. <laughs> and Best the... YouTube video ever. A uh, uh, leaf blower and leaf an blower umbrella. Leaf umbrella and, and a mop, mop bucket. bucket. <laughs> Which doesn't, I, again, doesn't really add up for me. I, I'm not convinced that video is real. I think the umbrella is being pulled by a string or something. Well, that gyrocopter is real because he's he has to... Uh, he has to spin it before he starts it, like up above, because the uh, um, the actual is that what sold the realism of this movie mm-hmm. for you? <laughs> but the actual um, blade giving the lift doesn't have any power behind it except the suction that comes off the the actual blade that's motor driven. So he has to spin the blade to start it mm-hmm. because it doesn't have electric start. Mm. It's the equivalent of bump starting. You know mm. how like old so, airplanes so, they so does turn, it turn the prop to start it? So it does That's turn both. bump starting. It turns both motors. Boy, uh, or the motor turns both blades. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, and there we go. That was Mad Max Two: The Road Warrior. Oh. It's such it's such an event every time for me. So this is that time that we go into uh, our um, our thing. So so first of all, our beer of choice for watching this. How do we feel that the uh, the Foster's fake Australian beer paired with this movie? I thought it did well. What do you mean movie? This is the greatest this documentary, documentary of all time. Um, you know what? I'm I'm cool with a can of Fosters every now and then, but the 750 mil can. These are all you can get in anymore. It's fucking ridiculous. This is, is this is unwieldable. Well, I mean, is is it great though? Because it, as the the seven fifty mil can is over the top, it's it's over the top. It's taking something super basic and going over the top with it, much like the subject matter of this film. It's a bunch of just wasteland bullshit junkyard vehicles and going over the top with it. Is there an analogy to this beer? And the and the and the film subject matter. Uh, I don't know. We'll go with it. Okay. <laughs> so, so at uh, a, a five out of five wheelies, what do we say the Fosters in the movie is like a, a three, two I'd, and a half? I'd give it a three or a four. It would you'd be you'd hard go as high as a four for the, you, well, the Fosters it, beer. You'd pairing. be hard pressed to do a better pairing. That's true. Uh, well. Okay, so the pairing is a three, the movie is a four, the beer is a two. Well, I, I was going to say, so, so, well, hold on. Uh, five, you know, out of five wheelies, how do you think this movie was as a, just a movie in general? Because I'm going straight five. Oh, the movie is a five. Yeah. 100%. Now, out of, out, of, out of five wheelies, how is it as a motorcycle movie? So, there isn't. Obviously, we haven't done a whole bunch of motorcycle commentary through the movie. 
even though motorcycles were fairly frequent and they weren't a big part of the plot or in center frame a lot of the time, I would say that the actual motorcycle, like physical motorcycle content is a three, but as a motorcycle movie, it's a four and a half. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, it's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you had to push a little bit to try to find motorcycle content. No, you but, didn't. It was everywhere. It just yeah. wasn't the star of the show. Mm-hmm. But but it was everywhere constantly. But yeah. there is also kind of... It's totally justified doing it for this podcast. And there's a, a Z1RTC as a hero vehicle. It's the fact that there isn't just a... It's not just the motorcycles present within the movie... There's a motorcycle feeling to the movie. Yes, that's itself. a great way to put it. There is a mm-hmm. motorcycle feeling to it. it. It made me feel like I was being elevated up off a, a motorcycle by, say, a giant balloon. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And... Okay. It's, it's hard to yeah. I, I your your motorcycle feeling is great because if we take other movies we've done commentary on, like let's say, um, let's talk about like cool as ice, right? Mm. Or yeah, or, no, or well, Night Riders had motorcycles at the very center of the plot. Torque, torque, and mo- torque was very big on the motorcycle feeling. Mm. Uh, but like, let's say something like, um, cool as ice, right? There were motorcycles all throughout that movie simply because vanilla ice liked motorcycles, right? Which I'm all on board with. Exactly. But the movie could have had zero motorcycles and the general public would have perceived it the same way. That movie was a motorcycle movie because they were so obviously just injected into the plot, like right? right. Artificially. Yeah. Where this was just very organically kind of a bike movie. Right. Well, it's... If you... Okay. We're going to get... Science. A bikey film. We're going to get scientific here. In the same... If you know, we're we're talking about Mad Max here having you know having a bike feeling to it, where the rating of bikiness is higher than the actual screen time of bikes on it. In the same way, if we if we say that the feeling of the amount of bikes on screen versus the feeling of it, if there's more feeling than the actual screen time of bikes, that is a a plus bikey movie. But cool as ice and say bullshit movies like American Dresser will call bike minus. I still need to see American Dresser. It's not worth your time. Uh, the the preview looks so bad. I have to see it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Uh, I I had a great time watching this. I will always have a great time watching this. I think we're going to have to do Fury Road at some point, just naturally. Not Probably not too soon from now, but at some point we'll have to do Fury Road, I think. Because 
Fury Road is a very strong bike feeling, especially leading into the third act. I think it's it's not as strong as this movie. I think we should do it for the sake of it, and I will get twice as drunk. Yeah, well, it's Fury Road also has the greatest villain ever. As much as I love Lord Humongous, Morton Joe is so great. And Morton Joe He's is, so much more quotable. And Morton Joe is probably the most live-action Skeletor <laughs> that we've achieved <laughs> so far. Wait, so if, if Morton Joe is the most live-action Skeletor, does that make Wes the most live-action Beast Man? I guess so. Sure. You fell. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think Fury Road has good motorcycle content. I think it's worth This movie definitely tops it. I think the first Mad Max also has some decent motorcycle, not as much well, as this in, one. In Fury Road, I think it's all contained to within like a 10 minute scene in the hills. Are you kidding me? There's that part where they're trying to go through the pass where like she's prepared yeah, the, for a the safe dirt passage. Bikes, yeah. And you got this dirt bikes doing these 20 foot jumps, like dropping bombs on the war rig. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think and that's the only motorcycle scene in the whole movie. What are you talking about? Like it, at the end of the second act, they meet a whole group of like old ladies with custom, like crazy that's Mad Max true. bikes in the desert that, 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 that runs into the final chase scene. Yeah. When he gives his big plan, he like cuts off all the bikes and like they're all on bikes in that scene. But but Swiggy's right. Most of the movie is like it's it, it kind of honestly has a high seas feeling to it with all these like large tanker trucks yeah, fighting each other. Yeah, I, I get that. It mm-hmm. does. Anyway, this was fantastic. I loved it. I'm always down to watch this movie again and again and again. Uh, again, quietly a really strong bike movie. At most chase scenes, there's more bikes on camera than there are cars. And you think about the big the big tankers in these movies, but quietly the bikes kind of steal in the show, I think. So, all right, uh, let's sign out on this one. Let me find the button. We don't need, well, you know what? Let's just do it. And I don't want to die. Just want to ride on my motorcycle. Go. Such a puny.